The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Now today we're talking a bit about the global energy transition and the metals and the minerals which are going to play a major part in that, otherwise known as critical energy minerals. Now the World Bank says annual demand for lithium and graphite, to name just a couple, could increase by as much as 500%. By 2050. Now, Infinity Stone Ventures is a company which is focused on just that. And today I'm joined by the CEO, Zane Kalyan. Zane, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Oriel. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Now, Zane, talk to us a bit about your history. You've been involved in a number of resource companies over the years in various positions. Tell us how you've come to where you are today. Yeah, so I actually started my career as a software engineer. And um, through that process, the, the company that I founded or was a, I was employee number four of um, ended up being acquired by a venture finance firm based in Vancouver, BC, um, Altus Capital Partners. Um, I joined the firm in 2017 and through the, over the past couple of years, I've become a, a partner of the firm. And with that, um, we, we've been involved in a number of different deals um, over the past five, six years. Um, across industry. But at the end of the day, our bread and butter really is resources. That's really where we've always put our focus. That's where we've seen the most success. My partner, Michael Townsend, who's the founding partner and managing partner of Altus, um, and also the executive chairman of Infinity Stone, um, as well as being the largest shareholder, has had a quite an extensive history in the mineral exploration space, um, found a number of mines, um, including rare earth, coal, sold a, uh, a fairly large gold asset, uh, La Tigre Gold, um, in the mid 2000s and, and from that we've uh we've just kind of really built a, a really great great platform for for building mineral exploration companies our focus really is on kind of taking companies from whether it be uh greenfield exploration or um indicated historical exploration or even a little bit more developed than that and really taking them further to throw through to kind of the stage where we sell them off to to be mined to to my companies that will eventually mine them um, but we like to, we're, we're very focused on exploration and we've had a lot of success with it. And you're very focused on a specific area of the market, uh, uh, aren't you, when it comes to critical energy? Yeah. So Infinity Stone was, was a company that Michael and I kind of conceived at the beginning of this year. We had a, a listed vehicle that we needed to kind of find a solution for. And it was really kind of fortuitous that we, we started to focus on the energy space and specifically looking at um, lithium, cobalt, nickel, copper, uh, manganese, uh, graphite assets all in North America. So with this transition to the, the energy metals or to the, the, uh, what I'll call the, the green revolution towards electrification of the grid, um, and electrification of transportation, et cetera, we, we just saw an opportunity that really there was going to need be a need for these critical minerals. Um, and I think in terms of the market trends, we, we were, we were bang on. And I think we've been able to pick up a lot of really great assets for very reasonable valuations and we're actively working them and, and investing in exploration on them. Now you're very close geographically to the American battery supply chain. What are the forecasts for growth? I mean, you know, in the introduction, Zane, I talked about the world bank, you know, talking about annual demand for lithium and graphite. What's your, your forecast when you look at, you know, this battery chain? Yeah, I, I think 
what we really see is that with the shift in global supply chain and this move away from Asia and looking at more kind of bringing the energy supply chain and um, the manufacturing supply chain more into North America, there's going to be a lot of demand. So lithium really is kind of going to be one of those core assets that's needed to, to move away from fossil fuels. And I think a lot of people focus exclusively on transportation, but Transportation aside, if you look at what's going to be needed to really um, move away from fossil fuels as the source of our energy, you're going to need battery storage. And that really is what renewables, that's the kind of the gap that renewables have, is that you really do need this, this battery storage. And, and lithium today really is the only technology that, that really has a, an immediate future. There's lots of other technologies out there, um, but we just see a massive opportunity with lithium. And, and then graphite, um, which a lot of people don't realize, graphite is a massive part of, uh, of all the lithium ion, ion batteries. There's more graphite in a lithium ion battery than there is lithium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't realize that actually, because that's not talked about. I mean, the focus is so much on lithium. D does that mean that when it comes to graphite, it's going to be become even more important than, than lithium going forward? Well, I, I wouldn't say more important. I'd say that they're both completely necessary, but I do think that graphite is overlooked. And I think that the price, there's going to be shortages. There's already projected shortages that, uh, as early as the end of this year for graphite. So I think we're going to see a lot of move in the price of graphite. It is going to increase as mo many commodities have over the past six months. Um, but beyond that, I think the market's going to kind of wake up and see that there is a, a good opportunity with this. One of the things that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about graphite as well is that 85 to 90 percent depending on on what forecast you look at um or what stats you look at of the world's graphite that goes into batteries comes from china and the majority of it is, is synthetic so really i think there's a big opportunity for a natural source of graphite which is what our deposit our rockstone pro, uh, deposit provides and two i think it's a lot less energy intensive so not only are you moving away from a Chinese supply chain, which a lot of North American and, and Western producers are trying to do, but two, you're also uh, doing so in a, in a much more energy efficient way. Well, talking about energy efficiency, there's a, a, a huge prevalence of hydropower in your, in your part of the world. Does that mean that when you refine it, it's going to end up being a very green graphite? It is, yeah. And, and where we are operating in, in Quebec, um, there's already a couple of companies that are already popping up. Nouveau Monde Graphite is a, is a pretty exciting company. Um, and they're building what is now being termed the Battery Valley um, in Quebec. So, and just as you, you hit on, high, the fact that there's so much electricity, all green, very cheap, um, just presents a really great opportunity for uh, a great manufacturing hub for these, for these critical minerals and, and refining hub. And then there's funds involved in this, isn't there? I mean, when you look at what Qu Quebec is offering in terms of tax and incentives and write-offs and and so forth. How much is this playing into your location bias? Yeah, so we love operating in Canada. Like we, we may be biased in that we are Canadian, but at the same time, uh, we just think that it is really one of the greatest jurisdictions to operate in, especially with critical minerals. Um, the Fraser Institute, which is a well-respected uh, think tank, Canadian think tank, has rated Quebec as number six in the world um, in as a mining jurisdiction. Um, it's rated Ontario number 11. Um, and yeah, there's lots of great government incentives. Um, more recently in the 2022 Canadian budget, there's a critical minerals um, override or flow th on the flow through tax credit. So typically um, we have the ability to flow through uh, a tax credit to investors um, on 100% of their investment that they can use as a write-off on their personal taxes. But 
if it's a critical mineral um, like lithium or graphite, you're able to actually get the investor actually gets a 30% bonus on top of that, which makes it a very investable opportunity for a lot of com- for a lot of investors. And it really helps a lot of companies at this junior exploration stage. You've also got fairly low labor costs, haven't you, um, when it comes to, to labor and, and drilling and, and so forth? Yeah, Quebec is actually an awesome place to operate. Like we couldn't say enough good, great things about it. Um, from our estimation, it's about everything in Quebec is about a quarter of the cost of the rest of Canada. Um, and that really presents a, a great opportunity um, for cost. We're, we're being quoted right now about $100, $100 um, a meter for drilling, which is some of the lowest that we've ever seen. And that's Canadian dollars too. Um, so it, it really does present a, a good a good spot. So Zane, talk to us a little bit about uh, your projects in, in Quebec. You've made a couple of announcements um, just recently about that. And excuse me if I'm getting this, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but um, you've announced a new finding at your Zen Woburi project. Correct. Yeah. So we, uh, last week we announced uh, the finding of, we had a 15% copper sample come back um, from some chip sampling that we'd done. And overall, I think we're, we're pretty excited about the, that property in itself. I think it was a property that was historically owned by the government, one of the government owned um, mining companies, um, Soquium. And they historically were only really looking for massive deposits. And we had this opportunity, it came across our desk and we had a, a geologist in the area who'd brought it to us and thought there was a lot of opportunity. Um, they'd done some historical drilling, but really kind of scattered, not really a focused program. So we saw an opportunity to build on that and we've done some soil sampling. We've done some more sampling. We've more recently actually just stripped some new zones and, and are finding a really lot of exciting catalysts there. So. Uh, we hope to announce more that on that in the coming weeks, um, as well as some more sampling that we're doing. And then, and then the intention is in November to actually start doing some drilling there as well. So, so once you start the drilling, what's then the, the, the timeline? Yeah, so once we start the drilling, I think we will probably be in a position to receive results, call it towards the end of the year. So I'd say late December, early January. And, and with that, once we get those results, we'll have a general idea of what the economics will be and, and what the grade is. And and then we can make some decisions as to how we want to proceed on the project. Um, we'll probably maybe do a little bit more drilling in the spring um, and then work, work forward on that and, and look at kind of what the economics, how do the economics make sense? And we'll make some decisions there. Okay. Now, you've also just announced some exploration at James Bay. What are your expectations there? James Bay is, is probably the most exciting project that we have. Um, and I think it's especially exciting in the context of the Australian investor market. And, and, and that's something that we're really focused on. So We've, uh, we've made a little bit of noise over the past couple of months that we are actively pursuing doing an Australian listing. Mm. Um, and we are working for, working through that on, a, on an almost daily basis. And I think there's a lot of interest from Australia from not only investors, um, but just from the general, or not only, I'd say from institutional investors, but also from the general market and the retail side as well. So we, we do want to pursue that pretty actively. I think one of the coolest things that we could we could be as a, a company that trades 24 hours so we would not only be trading in canada but we'd be trading in australia and we'd be trading in uh in germany as well so we'd have almost a 24-hour market which would be which would be pretty unique we've acquired this property that's adjacent to patriot battery metals um they've had a great a lot of success a lot of interest from australia a lot of support uh pilbara is a they're they're uh the chairman of patriot is the former ceo of pilbara resources um and we we really want to build on that they're like us actively pursuing a uh, Australian listing. Um, they've just done a, amazing financing that they've announced last week and um, they seem to be moving forward on that very well. 
So yeah, I think we James Bay is something that we're we're pretty excited about. We have a team up there as we speak. They're on the ground um, confirming the yeah, pavement types that were mapped historically by the Quebec Geological Survey historically. And then we're going to be identified, we're working to identify new pigment types as well as doing sampling and mapping. So it's kind of the initial stages. Um, and it wasn't really always our focus, that property, but with the success and the grade and, and the results that Patriots put out, um, it's really hard to ignore and, and we're pretty excited about it. Mm, okay. Now you've also got your, one of your, one of your most recent acquisitions is the Thor. Uh, project, which has been extensively tested for manganese, or um, and is the most advanced project. Is that is that the case as we stand today? Yeah. So in terms of historical work, it, it probably is the most advanced project in that it has a number of drill holes. Um, it was mined a little bit as well. They have they have some bulk sam- some fairly large bulk, sam- bulk samples that were taken out of the ground there. Um, one of the cool things about that property is that. It was historically mined. They were looking for manganese and they were looking for ferrous manganese, which is, or manganite, which is really what you need for steel manufacturing. Um, so when they realized that it was non-ferrous, so low iron, that that kind of wrote off the project in their mind. But the low iron manganese, the non-ferrous manganese is what you need for the production of uh, high manganite batteries. So we see an opportunity with that in itself. Um, we haven't uh, mobilized a team to that project yet, but we are working on it. Um, I think the James Bay project, the Zen Warbury and the Galaxy really are our focus today, as well as starting the drilling on the Rockstone, which will begin um, in the next couple of weeks. But we do see a lot of opportunity there. And I think we're we're just in the midst of figuring out how that fits into our, our schedule. So you mentioned Rockstone then. What, what's, the, what's the timing there when it comes to scheduling? We are just waiting on our drill permits, which I expect any day now. And once we get those, we will be uh, working to twin the discovery hole, the 25% graphite over 24 meters um, that was historically drilled. Uh, and then beyond that work to find uh, or work on the other 18 drill targets that we have as well. So we're just putting together the scope of that project as we speak uh, with our geology team, Clark Explorations. And once the permits are granted, which I wholly expect should be any day now, um, we will be we'll be up there. So you're really you're really very active at the moment, Zane. There's a lot going on in a lot of different areas. What's your funding situation like? You've just raised some funds. Is that enough for everything that you're doing at the moment? Are you going to be raising funds again, given that obviously the timing for any sort of ASX listing is unknown at this stage? Yeah, so we, we've been pretty active in raising capital over the past 90 days, um, and we are looking to do a, a larger raise, a million-dollar raise here in the, in the immediate short term, um, really just to continue to support all these activities. I think, as you said, we're, we're very active, which to the investor provides two things. It, it gets There's a lot of catalyst for growth, um, and two, it de-risks the opportunity in that we are working on a number of projects actively. We're spending money on these projects, and you're not really investing in just one uh, deposit or one project, you're investing in in five projects or four projects, four core projects. And and that de-risks the opportunity one. And some people get a little bit concerned and say, well, how do you manage kind of your capital if you're spread thin across all these? But the best thing is we're, there's kind of economies of scale and that we're using the, we're using the same team on each of the, each of the projects. They're all very close together. They're, most of them are very close to, to infrastructure with the James Bay project aside. Um, and we're we're kind of able to really be effective and be really cost effective on, on all of the projects and, and get results for, for relatively fair value. To, to your question, we have a very low burn. Uh, the team is is very invested. We we're all um, working with 
next to no salary. We, we were very focused on the growth of the company. We're all large shareholders. Michael is a Michael Townsend, my partner, the executive chairman owns in excess of 17% of, uh, of the company. Um, and yeah, we're, we're pretty excited to, to kind of see the growth in this. And I think we, we do need this cap, this kind of short-term capital that we're, we're going to announce here very shortly to keep our, our programs running, but um, we already have a lot of indicated interest and we're just going to build on that. What is your timing for your ASX listing, Zane? If I'm to be realistic, I'd say it's probably sometime in the new year, in the early new year. January, February, Q1? First half of 2023. First half. Okay. All right. Pad that timing out a little bit. I think the Australian investors are pretty keen for you to come down here. So if you could speed that up for us, that'd be great. <laughs> We're pushing as hard as we can. <laughs> um, Zane, look, it's been such a pleasure to, to have you with us today. Thank you so much for chatting. And, and we'll look forward to chatting again when you do um, land down under. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate it. And one thing I did remember uh, that I forgot to mention is yes. I do encourage everyone to go read that there was a New York Times article that came out yesterday yes. um, that really talks about the value of Quebec and Quebec's contribution to the lithium market and how it really could be the key to uh, bringing down the cost of electric vehicles and, and lithium ion batteries. Yeah, good news for for everybody there. Um, Zane, that's a, well pointed out. Thank you so much for that. And really good to have you with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks, of course, to all of our listeners who have joined us uh, uh, today. That is all we have time for, for this edition of Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. We'll catch you next time.